Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. Welcome to Everys. The podcast where we talk about everything European politics. Because the Cheeto's out, and it's time we finally start talking about the rest of the world again. Each episode, we take a topic in European politics that we think you should care about and break it down into small little bite-sized pieces that our anxiety-ridden millennial minds can actually digest. I'm Powerful Sammy, and I'll be your Everys moderator. I don't know shit about European politics or how they work for that matter, but that's why I'm here. And I'm Natalie, a freelance writer and editor based in Bonn, Germany. I'm an EU citizen hailing from the majestic Mediterranean island of Cyprus and a self-proclaimed political junkie. No issue is too big, no question is too stupid. We don't have any clue what the fuck we're doing, but we're going to figure it out together. This is Evries, making European politics sexy. So, what are we talking about today, powerful Sammy? So today we're talking about the migration situation in Greece, specifically what the situation looks like on the ground today and how the European Union is dealing with what is being described as a humanitarian crisis. This summer, a number of prominent publications, most notably Germany's Ter Spiegel, exposed some pretty appalling migration deterrent practices carried out by the Greek coastal authorities. According to their investigation, the Greek coastal guard was found to be intercepting boats filled with refugees, forcing them onto inflatable rafts, towing them back towards Turkey and abandoning them at sea to fend for themselves. Another investigation led by the New York Times found Greek authorities carried out 31 illegal expulsions concerning over 1,000 asylum seekers. One refugee, 50-year-old Najma Al-Khatib from Syria, alleged that she was awoken one night with an, at a detention center in Rhodos Island and taken by masked Greek officials. According to Al-Khatib's account, she was forced onto a motorless raft along with 22 other migrants from the detention center and were abandoned at sea. They were then rescued by the Turkish Coastal Guard hours later. The allegations come just as Greece is dealing with another crisis. This September, a fire broke out of the Moria camp on the island of Lesbos, which left approximately 13,000 refugees without shelter. The fire was allegedly sparked by migrants at the camp who became frustrated with COVID quarantine restrictions as the virus had broken out in the camp. But tensions were already high long before the pandemic, as the Greek authorities failed to provide sufficient access to medical care, water, testing, and other hygiene needs. Despite the EU having attempted to tackle the large influx of migrants over the past few years, it seems as though nothing is providing direct and effective help to the people who really need it. So we have two crises in the East Mediterranean. One is the burning Moria camp, and the second are these appalling allegations of Greek authorities abandoning migrants at sea. So how are we still here, and why is the refugee crisis still an issue? So... The issues we're dealing with today actually take their roots in how the crisis was dealt with when this all began back in 2015. As you might remember, at the time, we saw 1.2 million migrants make their way to Europe and apply for asylum, with the vast majority at the time fleeing conflict and economic disparity in Syria, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Now, Two-thirds of this wave of migrants came in through the eastern route, so via Turkey, onto the Greek islands. 
Now, neither Greece nor Europe was prepared for such a huge influx of asylum seekers to enter the bloc at the time, so it was a big mess. So was there any legislation in place to deal with this? Like, did the EU have anything in place that could sort of address this kind of, this kind of situation? So there was a piece, or there still is, a piece of legislation called the Dublin Legislation. Um, this was signed by the EU in 2013. And what it does is it essentially makes it the responsibility of the first EU state in which a refugee enters the bloc to process their asylum application. So that means when these refugees touch Greece, they have to have an asylum application processed in Greece. Exactly. So that must put a lot of pressure on Greece. Yeah, precisely. And you know, just for context, Greece never truly recovered from the financial crisis of 2008-2010. The country's unemployment rate currently sits at a whopping 15.5%, which is, not surprisingly, the highest rate in the EU. And not only did Greece lack the funds to handle the processing of so many asylum applications, but it also lacked the infrastructure, the administrative manpower, even the space. And those conditions meant Greece was very ill-equipped to deal with such a huge influx of migrants. That much became apparent when Greek refugee camps started making some pretty disturbing headlines, including one headline by the New York Times, which exposed extreme overcrowding at the Moria camp, which actually led to a 12-hour long queue for food, a lack of hygiene facilities, and rampant crime, like sexual assaults and even violent attacks. And even the United Nations High Commission for Refugees described the situation on the Greek islands where refugees were received as total chaos. And again, this was back in 2015. This year, things obviously did not look at all that different. Moria was a camp originally meant to host 3,000 migrants, temporarily, but was hosting almost 13,000 at the time it was set aflame. That's insane. So what did the EU do to help their, to help Greece, which is their fellow EU member state? So in this Dublin legislation that I mentioned earlier, there is this clause uh, which states that if a member state is to become overwhelmed with a sudden influx of asylum seekers, then other member states are called on to support them. Whether that means by, you know, relocating refugees into their own state or through funds. Now, the EU complies with this. And in the meantime, they get to work on a unified strategy to deal with the situation. Now, the EU defines three main goals in their 2015 migration agenda. Number one, to relocate approved asylum seekers. Number two, to grant protection to those who need it. And lastly, number three, to strengthen border control. The approach, specifically the part entailing that other member states would have to take in refugees themselves, was, as you can imagine, met with much backlash from, from countries with governments leaning to the far right, especially Poland and Hungary, who actively refused to take in refugees. Now, the agenda, although promising to relocate refugees, still leaves an immense amount of pressure on Greek authorities. And this will ultimately prove to be the EU's fatal mistake. Greece did also end up receiving funds and, and what they called resources from the EU, but 
The European Union's strategy was mainly concerned with halting the inflow of refugees by strengthening border control rather than dealing with a humanitarian crisis. So there's a real big disconnect between the reality of the situation and their approach. Exactly. And you said that the EU was more concerned about border control. What did they do to protect the borders? So they extended the mandate of Frontex. Now, Frontex, which was originally formed in 2005 as the European Agency for the Management of Operational Cooperation at the External Border, a fucking mouthful, became a fully-fledged European Border and Coast Guard Agency at the time. And this was so that European countries could cooperate to protect their external borders. And under their new swanky name, The agency now shares a responsibility with local authorities to enforce what they call an integrated border management approach, with the EU increasing its budget every year since. But obviously, they know they can't do it alone. So they look to the East for help. And in that same year, the EU begins talks with Turkey. And does Turkey agree to help? They do, at least in the beginning. It's Important to understand, Turkey has always had a somewhat complicated relationship with the EU. The Western Asian country was officially recognized as a candidate to join the bloc in 1999, but has yet to see its dreams come to fruition, mainly thanks to the blocking of its joining by other EU member states. Now, still keen on joining the Union at the time, Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan agrees to open discussion about a unified front in the Eastern Mediterranean. So where did these discussions lead to? Did they agree to anything in the end? So in 2016, the European Union and Turkey strike a deal and uh, they define three main focus points. Uh, One for Turkey um, to take back any irregular migrants that have entered the European Union via their territory in return For every irregular migrant sent back to Turkey, the EU promises to relocate an asylum seeker. The second point being that the EU promises to support Turkey with the refugees under temporary protected status hosted within their borders. So any refugees that Turkey is hosting who are not coming to Europe. And lastly, both parties agree to cooperate to strengthen border control in the Eastern Mediterranean with the ultimate goal of stopping illegal migration to the bloc and dismantling illegal smuggling operations that make that possible. You mentioned uh, irregular migrants. I'm not sure I understand. Who does that refer to? An irregular migrant, in this case, refers to migrants who have entered the EU through irregular or illegal means. So not through traditional applying for a visa means. Okay. So did did the plan work? Well, obviously not. <laughs> I mean, the deal was flawed on so many levels, right? First and foremost, because of its nature. What it essentially did was create this de facto fortress at the eastern border, protected by Turkey and Frontex, but failed to lift the burden of processing such a huge amount of asylum applications off of Greece. And to make matters worse, Erdogan and, you know, the Turkish governing party in general, you know, they had been calling for military intervention in northern Syria since 2015. They were very open about this. So obviously the EU was completely aware of this, 
but struck a deal with them nevertheless. Did they go through with this um, military intervention? Yeah, you betcha. Turkey officially intervened in the Syrian conflict in August 2016, claiming to be supporting the Syrian rebel groups against the incumbent Syrian president Bashar al-Assad's regime. Their intentions are exceptionally shady, but that's a discussion for another time. Now, the EU, of course, treats this as a problem they can sort of sweep under the rug, but this strategy unsurprisingly falls apart. Erdogan has always called upon the EU to support Turkey in their intervention, both militarily and financially, something the EU vehemently refused to do, which eventually leads to the inevitable, really, deterioration of the bloc's relationship with Turkey. Now, the result of this deterioration is devastating. Erdogan, after years of threatening to do so, buses refugees to Turkey's border to Greece, and tells them the door to Europe is open. And then thousands of migrants flood into Greece, leading to a violent clash at the border between Castañas and Pazarkule, which are the borders between Greece and Turkey. I'm very sorry if I butchered that, any native Turkish um, speakers out there. But yeah, I mean, Greek authorities were even accused of actively shooting at migrants coming in. Something, of course, Athens denies. One man... Pakistani refugee Mohammad Gulzar was actually shot dead in March, with, according to the Spiegel, overwhelming evidence showing the bullet came from a Greek firearm. Holy shit. So what does the EU do about these developments? So the EU responds by making a strong statement that the bloc will not tolerate illegal border crossings. Their main concern was, once again, to stop migrants in their tracks and block their ascension to the continent, rather than, you know, help them by maybe relocating them to other member states better able to help them. This is highlighted by the president of the European Commission, Ursula von der Leyen, when she calls Greece Europe's aspida, which is the Greek word for a shield. What kind of shield is that, though? Like, Greece is totally overrun. Yeah, no shit. It's infuriating, really. And Greeks are exhausted with the situation as well. That was reflected in their elections last year, in which the Conservative Party, New Democracy, which promised a tough stance against migration, won the executive office. And since then, reception camps like Moria and Lesbos are effectively functioning as detention centers, with little hope that the migrants will be moved elsewhere, whether that means on to mainland Greece or another EU state. And then, of course, you have the locals of Lesbos, who at the beginning of the crisis were welcoming of the refugees and showed the hospitality the Greek culture is actually famous for. That changed, though, when they realized that this was not temporary and the presence of a camp like Moria was degrading the overall quality of life on the island. You see, Lesbos had been a tourist hub, which was crucial for its economy. But overcrowded refugee camps can do wonders in deterring visitors. The island's inhabitants have been calling for migrants at the camp to be spread out to other ones on the mainland, which, of course, the Greek government has failed to do. But then again, why would they? Leaving migrants to suffer in congested camps with no hope of moving on is the perfect deterrence for keeping other migrants at bay. 
And on the other hand, can we really blame the Greek government for adopting deterrence tactics like these? Or even more fucked up ones like abandoning migrants in the Aegean with sinking rafts? Of course, it's bullshit. They should not be doing this. But this is largely the result of the EU clearly turning their back on the country. I mean, for context, in 2015, the union promised to relocate 160,000, again, 160,000 migrants from mainly Greece and Italy under the relocation scheme in the in the uh, Dublin legislation that we spoke about earlier, right? But by the end of it all, only relocated 34,000. And so now you have a situation in which the locals are disappointed by their government. The Greek government is disappointed by the EU. The EU is disappointed with Turkey, but Turkey is also disappointed with the EU. And then the migrants, the very people, all this legislation is supposed to protect in the first place, have been abandoned by everyone. So regarding the allegations concerning migrants being abandoned at sea, the EU Home Affairs Commissioner Ilva Johansson called for an extraordinary meeting of the Frontex Management Board on November the 10th. The meeting was called on to discuss not only the illegal pushbacks carried out by Greek authorities, but also the agency's apparent complacency in it. In a follow-up to their initial investigation, their Spiegel confirmed that Frontex planes and ships were near at least six instances of pushbacks by Greek authorities in which the European agency was complacent and did not intervene. Frontex did not deny the incidents took place, but instead said, as quoted by Ter Spiegel, the officials protected the fundamental rights of migrants and respected their right to non-refoulement. Frontex has now promised to form a special task force and launch an official investigation into the matter. We'll have to wait and see how that turns out. In the meantime, a new migration pact is now in the works by the European Commission, which will reform the EU's strategy on migration. The pact aims to introduce a pan-European migration policy, which all member states can agree to, especially countries like Poland and Hungary. In an attempt to woo the more conservative states, while pleasing coastal states like Italy and Greece, who feel they bear the overwhelming burden of, of the incoming migrants, it's crucial that the deal finds a delicate middle ground for all parties involved. The new pact places much of its focus on increased border control, speeding up the return of rejected asylum applicants and applying pressure on other countries to take back their citizens. Ilva Johansson has also promised to address the various claims of human rights violations at the migration camps. Speaking of the fire in Moria, she said, I think it's obvious that Moria is a result not only but partly of the lack of common European asylum and migration policy. So what do you think, Nat? Do you have faith in the EU to clean up this mess? Well, right now, no, not really. I mean, by the looks of it, the EU seems to be more concerned with appeasing far-right governments rather than fixing a humanitarian crisis. Remember how I said earlier that the Dublin legislation was a key factor in the mess we're dealing with right now? Well, both Ursula von der Leyen and Ulva Johansson have expressed their dissatisfaction with the Dublin legislation, as well as their determination to replace it with the common European asylum system, with the ultimate goal being a common European policy on migration and asylum. Now, 
Theoretically, this is a good development, but take this with a grain of salt, as the principles of the Dublin legislation still exist in the proposal. It's not clear what they will be changing or if this will succeed in relieving coastal EU states from the burden of registering migrants and asylum seekers. Now, any mentions of the improvement of existing reception centers on the EU Commission's official documents are vague and at the moment offer no real concrete plans for improvement, although the desire to do so has been mentioned by Johansson. But if plans for a new camp in Lesbos is any indication for the policies to come, then things are looking pretty damn grim. The new camp, being built by Greece with the EU's funds and, of course, blessing, is set to become a permanent facility and will open its doors in the summer of 2021. Now, the Greek migration minister, Notis Mitarachis, said the facilities will feature a, what he calls, NATO-style double enclosure. So, basically, an open-air prison. <laughs> and, you know, in general, Johansson is very adamant about, you know, making it clear that we are no longer dealing with a refugee crisis like we did in 2015. She says most of the arrivals are irregular migration. Only a minority are actually refugees. And we actually did fact check this, and you can check it out on our Instagram. I mean, as a result, the new proposal is very focused on the repatriation of migrants deemed as irregular and reinforcing this idea of a fortress Europe. But what about the migrants that are still stuck in Greece, right? I mean, does Europe even plan on doing good on their pledge to relocate 160,000 approved asylum seekers? Or have they just abandoned that altogether? I mean, you know, Johansson has also repeatedly said she doesn't like the dramatization of migration, but is she running the risk of downplaying it in the end? So that's it from Everest. Thanks for listening. If you like us, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Pod for regular content including our Fact Check Fridays, and subscribe to this podcast from whichever podcast platform you're listening to. What would you like us to cover on our future episodes? Do you have any shady-sounding bullshit you'd like us to fact check? Don't be shy, and slide into our DMs to let us know. Till next time. Bye!